You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. So today I'm super excited because I have Atlanta-based Alan Corey on the line, and he made his mark on the New York City real estate scene as an investor, landlord, and flipper in the early 2000s. His quick rise to the top led to a book deal from Random House titled A Million Bucks by 30, and we're definitely going to get into that story. Um, That also led to multiple appearances on a variety of TV shows. Alan's most recent book, House Fire was written for new real estate investors and became an Amazon bestseller in multiple categories. Alan now leads a team to help replicate his success for his clients. Alan has been a top 1% agent in Atlanta for a number of transactions and total volume each year from 2016 to present. So thank you so much, Alan, for being on the show today. I'm excited to have you on. Oh, it's a blast. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very excited. And as you can tell, I, I like real estate based on that intro. So, yes. <laughs> right. It's like real estate all throughout. So <laughs> we're definitely going to dive in. So I think where we're going to start is how did you get on this journey? Because I mean, a million bucks by 30. I'm over here talking about debt free by 30. You're talking right. about million dollars by 30. So we, I just want to know, like, how did you get on this track to get into real estate and what that looked like for you? Yeah, sure. So I moved to New York City right after uh, I graduated college. Um, I had big dreams that I was going to get wealthy through stand-up comedy. So I moved to New York City to be a stand-up comic. And I quickly learned that a new beginner comedian does not get paid very well. Um, and, uh, you know, like, like most artists, right? You, you've got to cut your teeth somewhere and, and pay your dues. And so I was working a nine-to-five tech support job. Uh, and then I was in the comedy club till three o'clock in the morning and I was just, wasn't getting any sleep and I wasn't, uh, you know, performing well at either because I was just, you know, just in a zombie mode. And so what I started doing is I just started devouring every personal finance book I could find about wealth building, things like this, because my strategy at the time was, man, if I could just replace my day job income, then I could focus on comedy full time. And like, it was just be a, uh, something that's out of the way. And, and, um, and what I gravitated towards, as you probably can already anticipate is, is real estate. It seemed to click. It seemed to make sense. Um, I, I tried to really get into the stock thing and, but it just made sense. Cause I felt like I, I I've lived in a house. I, I've, I've seen a house. I, I can, I, I could control every aspect of it. Like, you know, as much as possible, like what is going to spend renovating it, uh, the tenants that are going to live there, things like that. But like a stock, I, I you know, I, I, I couldn't really get into it because it was like, I, I can't shake up, you know, walk into the office and tell the CEO to fire someone or, or like, Hey, this, this marketing ad's not working for me or whatever it is. Like I, I, I felt like I needed to control my own finances and that, that just clicked with me as something that I, I, I could do. And I set a goal for myself and I said, listen, I just going to save up um, and buy a property one year every year for five years. And if I do that in five years, I can leave my day job in five years and I'll have five years of experience of being a stand-up comedian. Typically it takes 10 years to actually make a career out of stand-up comedy. And I was like, okay, th- this is the perfect plan. Um, but you know, 
I, I couldn't control my income at that point, but I was hoping I could control my outcome. And I was only making $45,000 at my day job in New York City, uh, which is super expensive. Uh, and, and, but I, I just cut every expense I possibly could in my life. I found the cheapest housing, which was a illegal sublet of a bedroom in the Spanish Harlem projects. Um, and I was the only person in the building who didn't speak Spanish, but uh, whatever. Like I, I had a vision, I had a goal, and I was like, this is the cheapest place I could find. I think it was 400 bucks of a bedroom kind of thing. Um, and I also, I was completely naive and had no idea that I was living in, um, in, in what some people would consider dangerous. I just thought this was New York City living, and this is how everyone lives. And like, But no one would ever visit me, and no one would ever come to my house. And I'm like, come on, guys, we're friends. Why won't you come over? And um, But you know, you'd hear helicopters and gunshots all the time, and I was just like, well, this is what happens in New York. But um, So hold yeah. on real quick, because I just want to pause you, because you just dropped so many gems, and I don't even think you realize. So um, the first one is you started on this journey because you had a goal of being a comedian. So really, this was like necessity breeds innovation. How can I become a comedian? What is the fastest way possible? Or what's the best way for me to become a comedian and still take care of my bills? And then also, you took on this mindset, like any means necessary. Like, I don't care if I have to live in the projects. I don't care. Like what I have to do is like, I'm going to put my, I'm going to get my expenses down to the bare minimum and I'm going to do whatever it is I have to do to make sure I achieve these goals. So I just wanted to like nail those really quick because that's, that's gems. Uh, and I mean, it didn't stop there. I mean, I was on the ramen noodle diet. I'd buy them in bulk for 13 cents. I'd go to the bakery uh, right when they were closing because they would but they would be hauling out a bag to the trash can of, of you know, because they would do fresh bake. They'd only sell fresh baked stuff. And I would sometimes get it for free or at least 50% off. I mean, I was frugal, uh, parsimonious, uh, every, any, any vocabulary were cheap, like, you know, uh, because I, I had a goal and, and, and um and what I also did um, was, I, I, I'm not a good budgeter. Like I, I, I budgeting, I, it just, I, I just want to automate things. And so um, I, I knew if I could try to keep a budget, it would be painful. And it's just, it was already, uh, you know, I was already kind of pushing myself. So what I did is, I went to the HR. I was, I was getting direct deposit, and and I said, um, can you put fifty percent of my paycheck? Um, into my checking account and then 50% of my paycheck into a different checking account at a different bank. And they had no problem with that. So I opened up a bank on the other side of Manhattan that I never go to, that never been there before. It was just this out of way bank that allowed direct deposit, set up an account, did not get the debit cards or the online login, anything like that. And so what would happen is then I just told myself, okay, I'm saving 50% of my paycheck. All I can spend is what's in my checking account. Like, like, and, and, I knew I would get whatever I was getting paid every two weeks. That's, that's, I can spend it all. I don't have to save anything. Like if there's 20 bucks, the last Friday of that pay period, I'm going out and spending 20 bucks. Um, if there's two bucks, I'm staying in and eating ramen noodles. You know, if, if sometimes there's 300 bucks, I would go out and say, Hey, you did great this last two weeks. Go celebrate. And I'd go. So I, I would burn through whatever's in my checking account on purpose. Cause I knew I was saving 50% in the other account. And then what I would do is every January 1st, I would walk over 
walk up to the teller. I don't know my bank account number. Uh, you know, can you just tell me what my balance is? And they would tell me. And then that was my, in my head, I was like, I'm going to do that every January 1st. Whatever they tell me is my balance. That's going to be my down payment on a piece of real estate. And so the first year was $10,000 and I got a, um, a hundred thousand dollar, uh, apartment in Brooklyn, New York. And at that time I had never been to Brooklyn. Um, no one even wanted to be in Brooklyn and Brooklyn's hot and cool now, but th this was, you know, 2001, 2002. Um, and it, there was an apartment listed for 110,000. And I was like, I'm buying that. I was like, I've never been there. Uh, you know, whatever. I, 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 I just put an offer in it. Uh, they wanted me to come see it. I come out and there's like three people who were on the front steps of the building saying, Oh, we just got out of jail. Can I have some money and, and all this stuff? And I'm like, I guess this is how people live in Brooklyn. And like, you know, uh, and like it, all these things were like, if I was with my mom or my, you know, like someone, they'd be like, do not buy this place. But I was like, I know I have to buy real estate. And then my goal is one a year. This is all I can afford because there's no other apartment that was even close to $110,000. Um, I was able to negotiate them down to 99,000 because no one else was offering on it. Um, and uh, it was a one bedroom apartment. I moved in, I took this really heavy curtain and I, cut through the, the, the living room, hung it through the living room, got rid of my whole living room. And that became, a, I, I tried to make it a two bedroom and I, I had a friend rent it out and that covered my mortgage payment. So that was like my first house hack was a one bedroom apartment. And uh, from there, because I was house hacking and, and basically having no living expenses that first year, I was able to save uh, 20,000 for the next January 1st. And I was able to um, buy a $450,000 duplex down the street. Um, and that these were using FHA loans where you don't have to put full amount down. Um, I also borrowed some money from friends and family on that one, um, and paid them back, uh, within two years. It was sort of like a second loan kind of thing that I had. So I was getting creative, but, but then that second one was huge, uh, because that was a duplex, three bedrooms up, three bedrooms down. And we called it the house of clowns. Uh, it was me and five other comedians living there. And, um, at that stage I could leave my day job it was actually my second property. I could leave my day job, um, because I was house hacking there as well. And that was paying all my living expenses. Plus I was profiting $2,000 a month. Um, and which was what my take home pay was at my day job. So I, um, I, and then at that stage, I realized, hey, I'm better at real estate than I am at comedy. Um, why don't I just give up on comedy and focus on this real estate thing? Because if I keep my day job, I'll be able to get more and more mortgages. And uh, and so I haven't looked back. And I just kept on that pace. And then eventually it was turning one into two uh, or one a year to two a year to one every six months to one every month. And uh, I've just keep buying real estate and, um, you know, I love it and I preach it. And that's what my new book now house fire fire being financially independence, retire early, um, is all about how to, how, how to fire through, through real estate. Now, before we get into that, cause that is so awesome how you were like, okay, how can I help other comedians that I know are struggling like I was? And you were like, ah, I can run out to them too. Um, and so, oh, go ahead. Oh no. Well, yes. Well, I mean, so it was obviously everyone needed a place to live and, and, and then everyone is like, um, uh, you know, you're, I'm, I'm, like, I'm kicking and kicked out of my apartment or I broke up with my girlfriend or something like that. So, you know, I was like, I've got a great place. 
you got to walk a long distance to the subway, but it's cheap. And I know all you comedians are not making any money if you're like at the same level I'm at. So, uh, it, it just sort of worked out well. Um, and it, it made for a fun, like artist community too, at the same time. Right. Right. And that's the beauty of it. So when you got the second house, um, were you renting out the first one, um, as two bedrooms, are you still split them up? Yeah, I did. I rented it out as two bedrooms and that was, so that was profiting for me uh, as well. And then, so, um, I had all these sources of income now on top of my day job. So it was kept easy. And then the third one, I partnered with someone, um, and we, this is in, in my first book, a million bucks by 30. We, we bought a property in Red Hook, Brooklyn. No one wanted to go to Red Hook at the time. Um, same sort of thing. It was like the numbers made sense. We bought it. I had no, I didn't even have money for a down payment there, but I found the deal. I negotiated the deal. I talked to contractor, uh, into working for free. Um, and then at the end he was going to get a cut of the profits. And then I talked to my girlfriend at the time's father, who was the only person I knew with money, uh, to invest his money. And so, uh, I was sort of the, the, the person getting the deal off the ground and we renovated that flipped it and sold the very first million dollar property in red hook brooklyn and the buyer was uh shark tank barbara corcoran and so uh she, we got on the front page of new york times and uh barbara's buying red hook and um you know from there we sort of that that was like the first time i made a hundred hundred thousand dollars on uh, you know profit on something and then my checking account and i was like but yeah, we got to buy more real estate. Like that, that, that's my thought process. Like it's not, I think some people stop and say, let's go buy that Lamborghini. Let's go buy a new car, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, I need to go, go buy more real estate. That's that, that, that was just addicted to that point. Yeah. Right. Right. And actually like I've heard of someone doing something similar as far as like just being the middle person in the deal, like not putting up the, the capital, but finding the deal, making sure everything goes smooth. And then, like you said, hundred thousand, bam, in your account. Yeah. I was like 24 or something like that. And so like, I was like, holy crap, you know? And so, uh, yeah, it, there's a saying in, in New York, like if you have a good deal, it, it's not going to be hard to find money. Like, like, cause there, there's, 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 what I'm learning is like, I, I, you know, maybe your peers don't have money, but like there's, there's, there's people who are doctors and lawyers and, and all these people who make a lot of money. They don't, they want to diversify. They put them in IRA and Roth and stocks and mutual funds. And they're like, I need to have some real estate exposure. I don't know what to do, but if, if they trust you and then you have a track record and, and you're someone who's a go-getter and you say, Hey, here's the deal. Here's the numbers in the spreadsheet. I'm looking for a partner to do X, Y, Z. And this is what I'm responsible for. Um, and, uh, you know, so I've done several joint ventures and, and partnerships since then. And, um, it, it's, it's either be the guy who can do the work, be the guy who can find the deal or be the guy that can find money. And, um, you, you'll, you'll, you'll be well received in the real estate investing world. That is awesome. That is awesome. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people don't even think about it like that. Like they, when they think of real estate, they think one track, like, okay, I have to be a landlord. I have to do this. I have to do that. But there's so many different ways to get into real estate. And even in this conversation, I think we've hit on like two or three, um, different ways to get into real estate. So let's get into your book house fire. So, um, for my audience, I know we've talked about fire before, but just to reiterate, um, it's financially independent retire early. Now, house fire is a different concept, though. So can you explain a little bit what house fire is? Yeah, sure. So um, 
fire, the fire movement is very conservative um, and sort of advice, very similar. Like if you follow Dave Ramsey, it's all about no debt. Um, and um, this was my mindset in my early 20s. Um, and now I, I, I see it, it serves a purpose in that a lot of times it's getting those expenses down. Um, and it's all like defense, like, like let's get, let's cut expenses, let's pay off debt, let's get rid of those student loans. Um, and then uh, once you kind of do that, um, then, then start building wealth. Um, and I've learned the more I've done that I'm 44 now. Um, and so that, that, that's a good strategy to learn how to control money. That's a good strategy to learn expenses. Um, I think it's really good advice if you're negative net worth. Um, and, and, but if and it, it, you're, you're, you're not going to skyrocket your wealth unless you learn how to use debt as a tool, as a weapon for yourself. Um, and that is, get, you know, my, my strategy in house fire. Um, what I've learned is, is, you know, mortgages on rental properties are, are just a boon for, for creating wealth. And so the way I break it down is, um, and, and so what I did is, is I wrote down every single expense that I have, um, you know, your, your utility, uh, bills, your phone bills, uh, car notes, call it whatever you just put it in a spreadsheet. What do you spend each month? Right. Going out to eat, have, maybe you want to budget something roughly you spend whatever, hundred bucks, 500 bucks a month, whatever your, your family does. And so what I did is I said, okay, what I'm going to do now, instead of just buying one property a year, I'm going to buy one property that's going to replace each of these bills. So I looked at my phone bill. And it was a well, it was 150 bucks at the time with a family plan, internet, and all this stuff it was a combo. 150 bucks, and I said, "There's, you know, the fire movement, is, the very conservative was like, get rid of all your your debt." And I was like, "There's no way I can get rid of a 150 dollar phone bill. Like, I I can maybe go to the library every single day and um, and snapshot my friends from the library. You know, that, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to watch Netflix with with my kids at a library during like. So I was like, how do I get rid of this 150 dollar bill?" Um, and I, I can't go to Costco and Sam's club and, and get uh, bulk internet access. Like, like that's the other fire sort of solution to everything, buy things in bulk. So it's really cheap. And so I was like, well, if I, all you got to do is buy a house, uh, that cash flows at least 150 bucks. And, and at least in, now in my market, you know, while we're recording this, like there, there, there's, there's homes all throughout Georgia that are you know, that I bought for between 50,000 and $100,000. And th these homes are not just in Georgia, they're in Texas and Indiana, all across America, um, Tennessee, I've helped people all over the place. Um, and, and you don't have to live in those cities. You know, I help clients who live in New York, California, very expensive places, but they're investing remotely and you just get a property manager and it's all very passive, just like investing in mutual funds. Um, but long and short of it is for $20,000, that's a 20% uh, down payment which you'll need to do on an investment property on a hundred thousand dollar property. And it's very easy if you have those numbers to make 150 bucks cash flow. And then the day after prop after budgeting for vacancies and repairs and everything, you're making 150 bucks. So for $20,000, I got rid of my phone bill for life kind of thing. And so then I just was like, great, well, I got rid of my phone bill. What's my next thing. And then I went to my utility bills, you know, uh, the power and gas and whatever. And I got like another hundred bucks. Okay. Saved up $15,000. Let's buy a property. That's like 80,000 dollars that pays off that. And I just work through every single bill, uh, to, to pay everything off. And what the benefit of that is and why I think it would, I, I prove it with math, uh, in, in my book, why it's better than traditional fire is that 
Um, say you have um, a $25,000 car note and or, or we'll use the same numbers, $20,000 car note. A $20,000 car note, people will say, well, you know what? I'm going to pay off my car note. Uh, that's what Dave Ramsey says, Susie Orman, some of these other personal finance bloggers. I'm going to pay off my car note. And then, you know, in five years when I've done that, I'm going to, then I'll save up for real estate. And it'll probably say, you know, I got to spend another five years uh, to save up for real estate. So that's 10 years of putting real estate on hold. Um, and the way I look at it is don't pay off your car note. If you have $20,000, um, do the house fire method. Buy a property that's $20,000 payment, that's $100,000 property. Maybe you find one that cash flows $250 a month uh, after some work. And so let's say your car note is $250 a month. Then what I've done is I've taken that same $25,000 instead of giving it to the car company, I've kept that $20,000 to myself and bought an asset. That asset's going to pay off my car note over the next five years because most car notes are five to seven years, right? And then what happens at the end of that seven years, I have a paid off car and I still have my $20,000 and that $20,000 is earning me whatever, 200 bucks a month. And it's appreciated roughly 3% for the last five to 10 years every year. And so I've turned that $20,000 into $40,000 and that 250 and rent goes up. And so now I'm charging, making 300 bucks. And so it's all these things that if I would have just focused on paying off debt, um, then I would have lost 10 years of returns and growth. And so it's buy an asset that, that generates cash and hold it and and pay off all your bills all your debts with that cash flow and and that way instead of just paying a chunk of change to elon musk if you've got a tesla you keep it for yourself kind of thing and same with student loans like if you have a student loan program that has like oh you'll, you'll pay off in in 10 years and you pay whatever 200 bucks a month don't just give that money to the the government or your your hard money lender or whoever keep that money for yourself, buy an asset that generates 200 bucks to pay that off. And that way you're, the way I look at it is I'm never spending my own money. Uh, I'm keeping all my money and I'm investing in things that are paying off all my expenses in my life. If you do this, once you've got all your bills covered, you your, your house fired. And then now it's like, um, okay, I want to go spend a month in, in Hawaii. Um, that's good. And I want to live in the, you know, spend in, the, in this really expensive place. Um, and then my, my thought process is, okay, let me go buy a house. that's going to pay for that vacation every year, you know? And, and like, so it, it's, I'm making up expenses at this point. Like, uh, and, and so it's, um, it, it's something I think everyone should do. And, and it, 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 some people don't think of real estate that way. And I want to come back to your point where you're like, oh, I'm scared of the toilets and the calls and, and everything like that. There's two ways to look at it. One, I, I run all my numbers so that I have property managers. So I, I don't even know who my tenants are. The tenants don't even know who I am. Um, I, I haven't even been in half of my properties. It's just, um, a, you know, a, a machine, just like mutual funds. I don't even know who the CEOs are, the companies, or even what, what they're buying. So you, you can do it. Most people want to ease in and they do want to be that property manager themselves. And, and the way I sort of try to trick my brain was, okay, what is this property cash flowing? Let's say it's cash flowing $200 a month. The chances are that maybe, maybe once or twice a year, you're going to get a call at three o'clock in the morning. Hey, I'm locked out. I'm drunk. I'm locked out. Um, or my toilet doesn't work. Right. What, what, what do I do in that case? I, I, I'm not a locksmith. I'm not a plumber. And I'm like, okay, I call a guy and they go take care of it. And I'm like, or I'm like, here's my plumber. You call him, work it out. 
here's the locksmith and what you know, work it out. Um, so then I tell myself to answer a phone call and be interrupted twice a year, will you be pay you know, if someone offered me three hundred bucks a month for that to possibly happen, which is three thousand six hundred dollars a year. Yeah, sign me up. Sign me up as many times for that job to answer a 10-minute phone call uh, twice a year where I just hang up and call someone else. Like, who would not want to say, like, it's not, it's, it's not that disruptive. It's not difficult. And what's great is everyone's had a landlord. Everyone's hated their landlord and think they're the biggest idiot in the world. The bar is so low to be a decent landlord. Like all you have to do is just reply to any message within 24 hours. And I just get raving reviews. You're the best landlord I've ever had. And I'm like, I, I really like, like, I like this is, this is, you know, this is so easy to just like, return someone's call. And so you, there's, there's no licensing to be a landlord. There's no expectations. Every landlord is completely different. So whatever system you have is the system that you use. Like there, no one's going to be like, this is not how my last landlord does it because everyone's, you know, most people get into real estate investing through um, inheritance. So they reluctantly become landlords, which is why a lot of them are, are terrible at it. Uh, but if you're purposeful about it, uh, you're, you're going to stand out as, as a gym, people are going to want to stay in your properties. People are going to tell your friends, Hey, you know, call me up. Hey, my friend's looking for the place. You got any other houses? You're like the best landlord ever. And, and being the best landlord doesn't mean I, I, I put granite countertops and everything. It doesn't mean that, um, Hey, I want to do this. And I, 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 I bend over and do everything that they wreck. It means, Hey, I return your call. Hey, I, I hear you. I'm not going to do it because of X, Y, Z. If you really want, um, a, you know, whatever, uh, steam shower, it's going to cost $2,000. I will raise your rent, you know, 75 bucks a month to offset it. Is it. You're still interested or whatever it is. And sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not, but at least it's a decent conversation and then we move on our way. And so, uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> you said so many gems in there. Um, and you even mentioned another way that people can get into real estate. I don't even think you realize that, but being a property manager. So you don't even have to own the properties. You can just be a property manager and you can still make money that way. So there's so many different ways to make money in real estate. And, you know, that's kind of why I do this podcast is so people can get different ideas um, of what's possible and what other people are doing. So thank you so much for coming on the show and I'm like don't give all the gems away don't give the whole book away they gotta go buy it um, <laughs> so if people were interested in finding out more about you or getting the book or any of that information how can they find you sure at the house of AC my initials are AC um, and so I, I'm I'm pretty much on every social media TikTok Twitter Instagram at the house of AC I also have a YouTube channel uh, named the same way I have two podcasts one for real estate investors called the house of AC um, um, and one for real estate agents about how to improve their business called Agent Upgrade. Um, so, and also I'm a partner in a mortgage company. So Jasmine Mortgage Team, if you guys need to buy a mortgage refinance or anything like that, uh, happy to, to help you out. Like I said, I'm obsessed with real estate. I will talk your ear off real estate and uh, like I've done today. So uh, I'm a man of my word. Well, we appreciate it because I'm over here already like wheels turning um, with some things that I can do. So thank you so much, Alan, for coming on the show today. Anytime. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening, joining and being a part of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast this week. 
You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at MoneyTalkWithT.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at MoneyTalkWithT. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient. <laughs>